Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. Yeah. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, former mayor of a California beach town and best-selling author, Debbie Peterson, and coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, and a whole bunch more. And we're so proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of thousands and on Player FM and on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Matis Skeet. She is one of the amazing speakers that will be speaking at the Global Caregiver Network event that's coming up, God, just in a week or two on November 10th and 11th, and it's a virtual event. You don't have to hop on a plane. You don't have to drive anywhere in your car. You just open your computer, open your laptop, open your phone, and you can enjoy two days' worth of wonderful speakers. I'll be speaking there as well. I do want to remember last week's guest before we get started, though. Anne Maria Hester, MD, is a board-certified internist with over 25 years clinical experience caring for patients in multiple settings. And just a reminder, you can listen to that interview and all our interviews on our website, caregiverdave.com, and any of the 26 global audio and video platforms that I mentioned earlier. Well, let's get started. Matis, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We are so grateful and honored to have you on. Well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. And I always like to ask our first-time guest just who is Matis Skeet and why was she placed on this earth? Oh, oh wow, that's a loaded question. But um, I made this skeet. I live here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yahoo for the Wolverines. Um, I actually came to Ann Arbor as a medical technologist. I was a registered medical technologist that worked at the university hospital at the University of Michigan. And I left university, I left that role to go into health administration. So I was wanted to become a hospital administrator. And actually, I worked at the University of Michigan for 40 years, either in medical technology, laboratory technology, and in healthcare administration. So uh, I'm real proud of that. But um, now I'm a personal trainer and a health coach. So I wanted to take that healthcare role. I've always was interested in that into my retirement, and I'm um, very much enjoying it. So that was your alma mater? No, it actually was not my alma mater. It was just uh, one of the places that I always dreamed of working uh, at the big University of Michigan Hospital. I really had planned on only being here for a couple of years, and then I was going to move out east. But you know how it goes. I got here. I got settled. I met my husband. And so I'm still here. (laughs) Yeah, things change when you meet a husband, I'll tell you. (laughs) So how did you actually meet Sherelle Mims, who is the founder and the organizer of this event that you'll be speaking at? Yeah, actually, that's quite uh, an unusual situation. (laughs) I actually have a a, a individual that I was um, 
she went to my church and I saw her on Facebook and she was talking about that she was going to be in a caregiver speaker. Well, I had recently come out of caregiving myself and had written a book. And I was interested in sharing my story with other people. So I looked on her name was Judy. I looked on her uh, website which, and I listened to what she had to say. And down below, it had a uh, email address. And so I contacted that email address. And lo and behold, it was Sherelle. She contacted me back and we talked. Uh, and that's the, the end of the story. We, here I am. Judy's a great networker. It was because of Judy that I met her as well. How did you become uh, a caregiver? You said that you used to be a caregiver. Yeah, I became a caregiver in 2013. At that time, my mother was 85 years of age. She stayed by herself and she was doing actually in pretty good. She was in pretty good health. Uh, she fell down a flight of steps in her home. And when she fell, she actually fractured her spine oh. um, and um, it left her paralyzed. So she never walked again. Uh, she was cognate cognitive you know she never she was mentally uh -huh. stable but that was what really drove me to become her primary caregiver and um, I have two brothers and a sister that live out of state so guess who became really the person to take care of my mom I was to hear the person in, in the You're state the of the chosen one yes yeah I was the chosen one <laughs> and but I mean I you know Dave if I had to do it again I would do it again Sure. Because there were some really rewarding periods, and I think I spent a lot of quality time with my mom. But caregiving is hard work. I'll tell anyone, caregiving is <laughs> hard, hard work. I'm hoping that with the global um, network speakers, that and I'm sure that everyone has a different story and something to share. And uh, because as time goes on, I think if you look at if you look at the statistics around us and everything, people are getting older because we're living longer. And mm -hmm. with that living longer, it also means that we're going to be uh, needing caregivers or we are going to become a caregiver ourselves or we're going to know someone. It's just inevitable. And we can't depend on the government or anyone to, do, to, depend, to, to, to really take care of you. So we really need to know what to do, how to do and to prepare. That's right. Debbie, you got a question? I am curious about how long you were a caregiver and, and what did you find to be the difficult issues of caregiving? Mm -hmm. We all know it's tough. What what were the issues for you? Yeah. And, and if you burned out. <laughs> yeah, I did burn out. Um, I was a caregiver for six and a half years and I worked full time that entire time. And I think I mentioned to you that I was in healthcare administration uh, administration is a lot of work too, a lot of behind the scenes work that people don't see. Um, so I spent a lot of long hours at the hospital. And then after working, I would go and take care of my mother um, on weekends. I did have some faithful people that would come in during the week, uh, but it was hard to find faithful people. So I thought one of the greatest dilemmas was taking on more than what I really, I thought I could take on more than what I did. And and I would tell anyone, get a faithful, a good crew of people or, or and agencies in place because you need that help. And you not only need the help from people, you need help legally, financially. There is so much stuff that you really need help in that you never would have ever thought about. You know, really, that's kind of like what my talk is going to be on is on prevention and preparation. Follow up questions, Deb? 
Well, that kind of answered it. I, I love the yeah. idea of getting your team around you. Yes. So what inspired you to write your book? Actually. And what inspired you to get that title of the book, too? Yeah. During the time that I was taking care of my mom, I had a health incident that really could have cost me my life. I don't think it, I won't, I won't say it was my mother that brought it on, but with taking care of taking on caregiving really put me into a more stressful life than what I already was having. My job was stressful as it was. I, even though I loved it, I was stressful. But on the other hand, I really wasn't taking care of myself like I should have been prior to becoming a caregiver. And once you t- take on that role as caregiver, you have put an, an, another burden on your on your um, on your system. Your immune system is 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 attacked, and a number of other things. So, my book, which is called Self Care for the Caregiver, is really about prevention and how you should not feel guilty for doing it. That's why I coined the the, the phrase guilt free self care, because it really is a lot of the things that we learned when we were children go to bed on time, eat a balanced meal, exercise. Some of these things we already know. We know them as Americans, as people, we've, we've, but we neglect them. And that's really important to me. And that's, my, and that's really what I want to share with, with the public is let's not neglect these things that we take for granted. Because yeah. at some point in time, you may find yourself being a caregiver <laughs> and it will show up then. So how did you evolve then into being, you moved from caregiver, writing about caregiver into being a personal trainer? What was the evolution there? Uh, I've been in, I've been interested in fitness and personal training for a long time, well before I became a personal training. I mean, I, it was kind of like one of those things I always said, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a, a fitness trainer. And look, you remember Jane Fonda with the with uh, with the leg warmers and all that? I really love those. Love that. So it was it was an aspiration. And I thought in retirement is when I'm going to do it. So I always had a love for it, Debbie. But um, and I, this just seemed to blend it in right well because really part of the guilt-free self-care one of them is to exercise get your exercise in and i i really try and share that with my clients the importance of not neglecting stuff just because it really is important your health is your health really is your wealth so is do you see that there's kind of a connection or an evolution between um the caregiving and this and the and the fitness training i see the evolution as being taking care of yourself in fitness training so that you are able to, one, my mother fell. So one of the things that I, one of my specialties is balance. Mm. Balance and keeping, you know, yourself together as much as possible, which we learn with a personal trainer or with your, uh, on, or, 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 or in your exercise. So I give a lot of balance exercises to help people to recognize as we get older, sometimes we have a tendency to not to, to be as balanced as before. Our grip and strength may not be as strong as before. And these are things that we can do now. So that's one of the things I do um, incorporate into my personal training. That to me goes along with, with what I do for, um, you know, with the self-care and caregiving. Do you fi- yeah, I'm just, do you find then you're working more with older clients than? I work with, my primary group that I work with is those who are 50 and over. I work with other younger clients too, but the primary group I work with is 50 and over. I want you to take apart the word guilt because guilt is a big part of a caregiver's life. Um, what 
are some things that caregivers feel guilty about? And why do you think they are feeling guilty about it? I mean, are these problems that they had from an early age, you know, maybe back in their childhoods, how parents would make you feel guilty, you know, if you didn't do this or that? Do some people struggle with guilt more than other types of personalities? You know, I think it is more some some personalities more than others. And actually, to be honest with you, it's probably more women than men. We have a tendency to feel like, okay, just think a mother will fix dinner for her children and for her family and will neglect herself from eating because she says she has something else to do because she feels like, well, I need to take care of them. But I have some other things I need to get done, too. And 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 sometimes caregivers do that same thing. We'll do the same thing sometimes even on our job. I know that there are many times I would sit at my desk and eat or try to eat, but I know that there's a phone call that comes or someone will come to for something that, that's a, that they feel that it's a fire that they need to be put out. And you'll neglect your lunch to go and do that because you feel like you want to be helpful. You don't want to be seen that you're not being, that you're not responsive. And I, I think that many times we have taken that on ourselves. And I don't know, it may come out of some families, but I really believe women tend to do that more than any other group on this earth <laughs> because we feel like we are the caretakers. We are the ones to solve the problems. We are. And so that's important. And so we need to get it done. But really, we need to stop thinking that way because it does make some people feel like it does it really it hurts you it hurts your yourself that's it that's basically it you're hurting yourself now is it true that not all guilt is valid i mean there is deserved guilt guilt is like a traffic cop right and there's undeserved guilt how do we know if the guilt that we're feeling is justified and deserved cuz you know or to make us change our ways or how do we know that it's just some people just love to make other people feel guilty about nothing. You know, I think of the uh, uh, Little House on the Prairie. There was uh, Mrs. Olson was her name, the character that everybody just didn't like because she was always judging people. She was always making people feel guilty. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, comment on that. Well, you know, sometimes, Dave, I see it as this. It's part of well-being. And well-being, you know, has those several bar- different paradigms. So if it's something that's good for me, because look, if it's not something that if I, I can't help anyone else, if I can't, if I'm not in good health, or if I'm not in a, in a situation where I am in um, able to to be healthy mentally and physically, then I really can't help the other person. So in those cases, it should be guilt free. It's guilt free for us to do things that sleep on time, eat the same things we teach our children. It's the same things we should be that that would be guilt. I don't know if I'm answering the question the way you want it to be, but it's the same things that would be guiltless. Um, there is nothing that I should be guilty about about eating and taking care of my body. Right. Nothing, not any of us. And actually, the Creator give us gave gave us that opportunity to do that, to go to sleep, and to eat, and. I say again, I'm going to go back to the workplace. Sometimes the workplace tries to drive and put a guilt on you in certain workplaces. You're not going to work overtime. We need you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I would I wouldn't say that that is true, especially in healthcare, And that may be one of the reasons that many people are leaving healthcare. Well, why do you think some loved ones make us feel guilty? 
And how should we respond, you know, when a loved one says, well, you're not, you're not here enough and you're, you're always leaving me or, you know, you always make uh, the coffee uh, wrong and, you know, all this guilt, guilt, guilt. How do you deal with that? Well, especially if it's a care, if it's someone you're taking care of, yeah. you have to let them know that, look, I'm doing the very best I can. And if I do these things, then I can serve you better. So it's important that I, that it's not guilty. I need to do this in order to serve you better. And also, you know, also for those things that they can do, like if they're asking, I, I take, I'm going to give you the example of a gentleman of a workshop I did and I presented with a gentleman. He was saying how his father is perfectly fine, can get up and go to the, to the refrigerator and get his own juice and his own water and his, can eat and all that. But he would ask them, bring me, bring me water. Bring me this, bring me that until his, his sister asked him, well, is something wrong with your feet, dad? Is something wrong with your feet? Are they aching? He said, no, my feet are fine. He says, okay, your hands hurting? No, my hands are good. He said, well, then you can go and get your own water. We don't have to always come to do that. You're trying to make us feel guilty. Well, you can do that. So really sometimes helping them to help themselves will help us also feel that we're not, you know, not guilty. Sure. You know, um, Sanford's son was a good example. Yes. Sanford would guilt his son into doing just cockamamie things. And he would always do, oh, oh always have the big I'm one. Coming to meet you. And, yes. And, you know, his son would fall for that con every single time. And yeah. And, you know, maybe you are not the type of person who likes confrontation. And, uh, you know, you're the peacemaker. Yeah. And uh, how should those people who are little uh, feel too sensitive doing it. How do you get the courage and the boldness to do it? Are, are you one of those people, by the way? I think I was at first, but you know what? My brother talked to me. <laughs> what did he say? Okay. when some Because sometimes other people outside can see what's going on better than you can. And if you start feeling that resentful, well, you know, I'm always the one. Sometimes you need a I won't say a, you may need a professional therapist, but you need someone that can be served like a therapist for you that can say, look, you need to take a break from this. And they, they, they're just, they're manipulating you now. You know, my mom did that. She did that a couple of times, you know, and one time they, this was so amazing. We were in, uh, we had, we had to revamp her house such that she would, we would roll her out of her, out of her um, bedroom and it would be actually we made the family room like her living room and her kitchen and everything. So we would serve her her meal there. So one day, one day, this was I remember this just like it was yesterday. She had had her bath. She was clean. She had gone to the bathroom. She had had her breakfast, everything. And she was sitting at the table and she was looking out the window and she all of a sudden started screaming, help, help, help. And I had another worker there with me at the time, and I was standing behind her, probably about three or four feet. And I was wondering, why is she screaming? I just, that day I said, let me see, what is she screaming about? She's sitting here perfectly fine. And she starts screaming my name, Mayas. And she starts screaming the other lady's name. Well, the other lady come running down the, the steps. Miss Caldwell, what is it? What is it? What is it? And she said, pass me that juice. <laughs> the boy uh, who cried wolf. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And that was like a light bulb that went off. And I said, you know what? She's manipulating us sometimes. She just wanted the attention. <laughs> yeah, 
people need to tune in and hear you speak about what you're going to speak. What's the topic again you're speaking on? Well, my topic is the title is called Wake Up Call. And it's actually about how what made me have a wake up call as a caregiver. And that wake up call really resulted in what I have coined guilt free self-care of taking care of yourself. Well, tell people why they need to tune in on November 10th and 11th and hear your talk about the wake up call. They need to tune in because it actually their life would depend on it. Okay, their life would depend on it because I don't want them to have the same wake up call or any wake up call similar to mine. And in order to do that, you need to tune in and listen to me. (laughs) That's right. Statistics say 30 percent of caregivers will die before their loved ones do. That's right. Forty percent if it's a dementia patient and the rest of them will just become sicker than the ones they're caring for. They're the lucky ones, right? (laughs) Yeah. And eventually need a caregiver of their own, become hospitalized. And I don't know what's better, sickness or death in that case. But (laughs) yes, everyone needs to come. And then uh, I'll be talking as well about spousal caregiving. You know, for those of you who have a spouse, uh, you're wearing a couple of hats. You're a spouse and you're a caregiver. And those two don't always match uh, and mesh uh, and mix very well. So I would encourage everyone to go to globalcaregiversnetwork.com, I believe it is, and uh, you will see, uh, go to the events page, and you actually sign up, and, and that website actually puts a forward slash events on it, and you can sign up, because you got to sign up to come. I think it starts at 8 a.m. Pacific time, which is 11 o'clock Eastern, and then the same thing uh, the next day. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's time sure flies. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And just a reminder, this show and all our shows are recorded podcasts, and you can listen to them on all of those networks I mentioned and my caregiverdave.com website, where you can also schedule a free 30-minute initial coaching call to talk about whatever you're struggling with. 30 minutes of wisdom can often resolve a debilitating problem. Again, it's caregiverdave.com. And don't forget, my Caregiver Day Facebook online community of 34,000 caregivers. Lots of tools and resources and videos, this radio show, and much, much more. And did you know that if you click the follow button or the like button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this show on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithm. And Debbie, how do we contact you if people want to know what you do? You can reach me at mayordebbie.com. Okay. And so a true heartfelt thank you to all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday, making us the number one caregiver radio show on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel, may God richly bless you. Bye-bye. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum 
posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group, you can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. 